0: Welcome back to the SBS Sports Talk Show presented by the Sports Business Society at UVA. I'm Michael Rockless along with my co-host Nick O'Connor. We're without Will today, but we are here. We waited an extra day to bring you some NBA playoff talk as the bracket is now set. And as promised last week, we're going to talk about Ted Towns' visit to an SBS meeting. Make sure you listen to this at one5 times speed. Hit it! All right, it's good to be back after a uh, one-day delay here. And, of course, the thing we waited for was the NBA playoff bracket to finalize. A lot of games going on Wednesday night that determined seeding. Uh, we had the one playing game between the Nuggets and the Timberwolves that the Timberwolves won. But now the bracket is set, and we're just going to run through what we like and pick some series, pick some winners, All right, Nick? What is your first takeaway from uh, for what you expect for this playoffs?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're going to start with the Eastern Conference. We'll go, you know, first round um you know the Wizards versus the Raptors you know one versus eight seed um you know I'm surprised that the Wizards were that low um I'm a big Wiz fan I think that they're going to turn on the playoffs I think that they're going to win this series in seven or probably six to be realistic at home um that's my that's my first round matchup for them uh what do you think
0: yeah I I think that Wizards Raptors series is interesting obviously the uh the Wizards are probably a much better eight seed uh than you would normally see there and the raptors are probably a weaker one seed than you normally see so i think that gives you um some hope for the wizards at least making things competitive if not being able to win the series i do subscribe to two beliefs though when it comes you can take two two angles at the wizards one is that this is their fourth time in five years in the playoffs every single year they've won in the first round and came very close to making it to the conference finals they've come up short every time they've been there um and you would expect that this time wall and Beale they'll figure it out they've always played well in the playoffs The second angle would be they've played really poorly this year relative to expectations. I think they decreased their win total five or six games from last year. Obviously, John Wall was banged up, but it seems like that chemistry is lacking, and you can really have some legitimate doubt that they're going to be able to turn things around. Now, you could have one of those two beliefs. Um, I think it could be somewhere in the middle. I think the Wizards will play well and have an opportunity to win the series, but I don't know how... How strong I'm in my I am in my conviction that they'll actually win the series. I think it'll be difficult for them, but I do not hate the odds as an eight seed. No,
1: I think it really was concerning that the fact that you know the really the one game that mattered when they're playing the Magic um, to potentially get the seven seed if they won, um, and they can't pull through on that. And that, I mean, I just think that that was very concerning, especially going into the playoffs. That's not um, you know that's not how you want to be playing going in, um, and so. That's not a good sign, but on the other end, I think that they've made it, you know, farther in the playoffs than the Raptors. I feel like consistently, the Raptors seem not. Raptors
0: have made a conference final. They have though. made a
1: conference final. The but... Raptors
0: have won. It's just when they played the Wizards, the win, one year, yeah. the Wizards swept them. They killed them.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it was just it seemed like a mismatch. But um, you know, the Raptors are very deep. I mean, they're very strong. Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan. Um, you know, Valanchunez, they got a really deep team. Um, and it's just scary for the Wizards, you know what I mean, just after that loss um, to come in. But I'm just hoping that they can play well. Um, so moving on to the next game, um, the two seed, the Celtics um, versus the seven seed, um, Milwaukee Bucks. What do you think?
0: I think that's a pretty boring matchup. I think that's probably the worst one of the first round. Uh, I would have liked to see the Celtics... I- The Celtics series was always going to be bad um, just because of how injured they are. Really unfortunate, a team that very well could be the Eastern Conference favorites if they had Kyrie and definitely, very realistically, if Gordon Hayward was healthy. Giannis, it'll be nice to see him in the playoffs. Um, I want to say it's not his first time, but it's definitely his first time as the best player of the Bucks. Um, I, they're just their coaching situation's bad. They fired Jason Kidd midseason. not even the guy who came in midseason is really not done them, you know, that they haven't improved that much under him. Obviously a freak talent in Giannis and to Takumpo the Greek freak. But Brad Stevens is a huge coaching advantage. And I, I just think the winner of this series is not going to fare well uh, in the next series, which we'll talk about the 76ers against the Heat. Um, so to me, this is a boring one, um, and I could really, as banged up as the Celtics are, I think I could see them taking this away because of President Stevens.
1: No, I, I definitely agree with that. I think Brad Stevens has shown in the past, you know, with very weak teams to be able to win in the playoffs. Um, his system just seems to have results, um, you know, play of time, just playing hard defense, um, you know, taking the smart shots. Um, usually fares well, and I think that they're just going to be able to take down the Bucks. But yeah, I think you mentioned it. I think the next round is very interesting. Um, my pick, I think the Sixers, you know, the hottest team, you know, one of the hottest teams in basketball right now. Um, I think that they'll easily be able to beat the Heat. I think the second-round matchup, you know, is going to be the Celtics. Um, you know, I think they have an easy path to the conference finals.
0: I agree. Uh, they're certainly, as you said, the hottest team in basketball. I think they've won 16 in a row coming into the playoffs. Um, and Ben Simmons has really, really elevated his game to uh, you know a status where he's looking like an elite player right now. I mean, he has been absolutely unbelievable over the late, late stretch of the season while Embiid has been hurt. Embiid might miss about half that series with the Heat, but he's coming back. Um, I don't think they'll struggle with the Heat. Um, I think they'll beat them. The one concern is Ben Simmons, a lot of young guys in the playoffs for the first time, Simmons and Embiid. Simmons, a very interesting playing style where he's not as much of an offensive threat because of a real lack of shooting ability. So are the Heat, Spolstra, great coach, um, Heat, relatively versatile. Um, are they going to be able to game plan him out of the series by saying, you know what, we're, you know, we're just going to play him in a way where we're not going to give him the open space to let him pass all over us, but we're also going to force him into some tough shots that he doesn't want to take. That would be my concern with the Sixers. But even that being said, I think this team is is... Really hot. They have a very favorable draw, and I think it'll be really hard to and to have them get knocked out before the conference finals. No, I think what's
1: most surprising about the 76ers is that their depth. Um, You know, the players outside Ben Simmons and Embiid, like J.J. Redick, um, like Robert Covington, uh, Dario Saric.
0: Brought in Bellinelli and Iossovi, Bellinelli, You know, yeah. and
1: some better you know, some veteran. And UVA, UVA guy, Justin Anderson. Justin Doesn't Anderson really play, himself. but yeah, he's there. <laughs> Has he gotten
0: some minutes? He plays here and there. He's not part yeah. of the main rotation. But again, yeah.
1: you know, a deep team, you know, some veteran experience there, people who have been in the playoffs, and I think that'll be especially important. Uh, for these younger guys but you know for Ben Simmons I just you know I was completely wrong on him um coming into the season I have my doubts just you know not having a jump shot is very tough to succeed in the NBA um not with elite ball handling um you know and he's you know proven me wrong and he's shown this especially in this past 16 games um that he just has the vision and you know you know a really great player.
0: Yeah, one of the criticisms with him, um, and I know you are fond of this criticism as well, is that he didn't win in college. You know, he went to LSU, pretty bad situation there. wasn't really there, you know, for any other reason than the one and done rule. Um, and, and I never had that worry. I mean, I, I thought it was, you know, obviously not the best sign that they really struggled there for as good as he is. Um, but you know what? We'll see. He does not have that playoff pedigree. I mean, even at the college level. So we'll we'll see how he reacts. I think that there there might be some growing pains with this team. I think it's an unfair expectation to say all right you have all these young guys you know obviously they really came together well this season the process uh pretty much coming to fruition you know obviously in the early stages of it but now you know the not every most teams don't go to the finals or win multiple series the first time they get in so that's a mm-hmm. legitimate concern with them as well
1: that was a learning process and we saw that with the thunder right they had some you know when they were young you know the first time they get the playoffs they had some struggles um and we saw that and it's just getting that playoff experience um is one it was important um, but again, you know, really impressive team, very hot team going to playoffs, um, and they'll definitely be scary. Um, but going up on the latter half, uh, you know, Cousers-Pacers, I think, you know, we both agree casual will, you know, have a very easy time going through the Pacers, um, just that second round matchup. You know, did you, would you pick the Raptors or the Wizards?
0: Um, well, I mean, I don't know if I'm forcing myself to pick a bracket here. I... I, I don't think, I, let me put it to you this way. I don't care who wins. The Cavs are going to beat either team. You think? LeBron James is not losing to the Washington Wizards or the Toronto Raptors in the Eastern Conference semifinals, no.
1: But the thing is about the Cavs is that they're not a very deep team. Outside of LeBron, they're not very good. But LeBron's just
0: the best player in the Eastern Conference by like a mile and a half. By, it it's might not even by close. a
1: mile and a half. But when you have a team like the Raptors and, and Wizards that have potentially three stars um you know i mean that's still got
0: kevin love you still got uh, but i mean jeff jeff green's not bad jordan clark they got they they have they have depth they don't have depth at the front of the rotation with elite guys they have lebron and kevin love but then you know you go down it's like jordan clarkson uh larry nance rodney hood like these jr smith these aren't like Terrible players, and I think LeBron is going to be enough. I just think this is
1: one of LeBron's, you know, worst teams going to the playoffs in a while. It in a while. is. while You is. Know, outside of injury, I think you know sometimes Kyrie and Love were injured um, right. going into the playoffs. Yeah. But besides outside of injury, this is definitely one of his worst teams. So I mean, we'll see. I mean, this is a, this is a tough um, Eastern Conference. I think you know Wizards or Raptors, both tough teams, and then potentially the Sixers.
0: Yeah, I mean, so that being said, I don't care. I mean, I care who wins the Wizards Raptors. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know who's going to win it. But do you have the Cavs losing before the conference finals?
1: You no, know, I think they're going to get to the conference finals. Okay. To be honest, um, you know, I was hoping that the Wizards could mi- potentially, you know, meet them in the conference finals. You know, if they got this in the seventh seed on the other side, um, but just you know, having to play in the second round, I just don't, I just don't know if they can pull it off.
0: Yeah, so we both got Cavs Sixers. I think most people are going to have that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I for me, it's the Cavs. I, yeah. I mean, LeBron James. It'd be very uh, shocking to see a team like the 76ers with such young players, who you know, they're great players, but to to beat someone like a LeBron James, I think this is. This is a run where LeBron, you know, the East east is not the... uh, There's a lot of decent teams, but there's not a team where you're like, wow, that team, they can
1: really... Beat LeBron, like I feel confident in that. Yeah, but definitely a lot of up and coming teams. Right? right. The Wizards pretty young, you know. The um the Sixers very young. The Celtics, Celtics, they get very healthy. young. When they're Bucks, healthy, very young. Bucks, Raptors again, still developing. You know, potentially getting um you know that spark that you know that they, again they've been in the playoffs before, but you know haven't been able to perform. Yeah. Uh, but again, some strong teams. So, but not
0: strong to be like the Cavs aren't the favorites. I mean, yeah, but not this year without the Celtics, you right? Know,
1: without Gordon Hayward, without Kyrie. I mean, it's going to be tough.
0: Yeah. So the Cavaliers are going to be in the finals. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. So moving on to
1: the Western. Uh, Western Conference. We can run through some
0: of these blowout series. Like, um, Rockets-Wolves, obviously, congrats to the Timberwolves broke their drought of uh, missing the playoffs, beat the Nuggets in that playing game in overtime. Um, I actually don't love the matchup for the Rockets. I think there was worse teams in the Western Conference that made it. Uh, That Mm. being said, they're not going to struggle with the Timberwolves. I mean, maybe they drop a game, maybe they drop two games. But the Rockets, I think, are going to steamroll their way through the T Wolves, who another young team going to get that experience um, and hopefully, for their sake, you know, use that to elevate them uh, in the playoffs in the future years.
1: Yeah, I don't know about steamroll. Um, you know, I know the Rockets have been obviously playing extremely well, but I mean, the T Wolves just have some playmakers on their team that at any point, if you know, Carlton Towns or Jimmy Butler or Jeff Teague, you know, or even Andrew Wiggins at times, you know, has a hot streak and can um, you know make some baskets. They can be a scary team. Um, but again, I think I think the Rockets wind up winning. I think the Wolves could uh, know, potentially get two or three
0: games, though. Uh, yeah, I'd be pretty surprised if they took it to seven. I, I will say, um, and I think I mentioned this, is that the, the Rockets could have gotten a better draw for for the eight seed there, but yeah. uh, I mean, the Wolves, obviously, Jimmy Baller's injury uh, made them fight for that last playoff spot, and they wound up at eighth. Uh, likewise, we move on to the Warriors and the Spurs. No Steph Curry for round one of the playoffs. Uh, I don't think Kawhi's Back either, I don't. I don't think, I don't so, think yeah. so. The yeah. Warriors are going to win. Kevin yeah. Durant's not losing. And... No way.
1: Yeah, I think even with Kawhi, you know, probably not even 100 right. if he's back. Um, I just think you know, Warriors are too good. Yeah,
0: Kevin Durant. I'm not even worth talking about. And then an interesting one: uh, Blazers and Pelicans. Um, a couple of teams. I mean, the Blazers have been in the playoffs recently. Anthony Davis made it uh, a couple years ago. Uh, got swept by the Warriors. Um, but the Pel's get in there as the six seed. I don't see it for them. I think Davis has been playing fantastically well. Drew Holiday has been great uh, on defense and just overall. Ronda's a pretty good perimeter defender. And so that might work for the, you know, against C.J. McCollum, Damian Lillard on the Blazers. But uh, I, I don't see New Orleans having the firepower to win that series.
1: Yeah, no, I just think the Blazers just have more playmakers. I mean, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum that duo, um, is just lethal. They can go off for 60 points at any time. And then you have the role players like Nurkic, Alfred Guminu, I think, is in there, and a couple other players um, that have been playing really well this season. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think they're going to get past that. Um, so I think Warriors and Blazers in the second round. Well, we skipped, the, oh, thunder skipped I'm sorry, thunder the Thunder and the and jazz. jazz. Kind of an interesting series. Yeah. You
0: have Russell Westbrook and Paul George and the OKC against Quinn Snyder, fantastic coach. For the Jazz. Very really slow been surprising play. about
1: the Jazz to be able to win this many games. It's really
0: impressive. Obviously led by their two uh, star players, uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. Not not countrywide stars, but very mm-hmm. good players for them. Um, I really, I think the Jazz are a much better coach team. But I just really worry about you know a rookie being your primary offensive option and Donovan Mitchell showing up in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook's going to be his counterpart on there. Uh, I just don't think the Jazz have enough firepower to keep up with the with the Thunder. Who to me, they're the Thunder are not like a a legitimate title threat by any stretch, but yeah. I like them in this matchup uh, to come away and beat the Jazz.
1: I agree. I think the Thunder are a very scary team. If they can, you know, play well which we've seen in spurts this season, you know, obviously they've, you know, had their struggles in the beginning of the season and, you know, it took them a while to figure it out. But when they're able to play well and play off each other, I mean, they have a lot of playmakers. Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, Stephen Adams. Um, should I mean, play well in the playoffs. Should play, a play in the playoffs. I mean, that's some scary teams. You know, um, you know, some scary players that can make those big shots. Um, I think they're going to give some rockets. I, mean, I think they're going to give the rockets, you know, um a hard time in the second round.
0: Really? I I don't see that. I mean the Rockets yeah. really beat them bad last year. Obviously, they were able to add Paul George this offseason. Carl Anthony, you could argue if that's a positive or a negative. Um I I think the Rockets again, that's a, probably a pretty good matchup for them. I don't think OKC is going to be able to give them enough defense to slow them down. I think the Rockets will kind of uh not struggle in the first two rounds and get their way to the uh Conference Finals.
1: I know that they're not going to do this. I really would advocate that the Thunder, you know, take Carmelo off the bench. I think in the playoffs that would be especially important.
0: I would advocate they just don't play Carmelo. Really? Terry?
1: No, I mean playing, a little but like, I mean, I severely. Mean, if, he's for, if he's playing for second teams, I think he could shine. Yeah, I mean, when he when he's like, you know, usually yeah. in that second team, you need the offensive, you know, weapon. He could yeah, do but that. you're getting
0: forty plus minutes from Westbrook anyways in these yeah. games because if any guy can give you you know, over well over forty minutes when it matters it's Russell Westbrook. So I mean how many times are you really gonna be relying on Melo? Yeah. He's not played well he this year. He definitely detracts
1: from the starting lineup. Yeah,
0: he just hasn't played well this year. Yeah. I would I'm we'll see what they do. Um but I, I mean it's gonna be really tough for them to keep up with with the Rockets. Rockets just too much firepower. Yeah and I think I think
1: it's gonna be a close series though I think it's gonna be six or seven at least um in my opinion. I don't see it. I, I think the Rockets are playing really well, but when you really look at it, I mean it's it's hard Chris Paul. I mean, yeah, you have Trevor Reezy, yeah, you have Eric Gordon, but it's really, I mean, it's, it's Harden and Chris Paul. So if you can find a way, you know, to put some defense in and, and try to stop no, them to some degree.
0: No Roberson, though. I, I just, yeah. I think, I mean, obviously Harden and Paul have had their, their struggles in the uh, in the playoffs. The Thunder are not the team um, that I would think are, are ones to slow mm. them down. That's just my opinion. I mean, Russell Westbrook, obviously, is a fantastic player. Um, Paul George is a great wing defender as well. Um, but to me, I just think the Rockets go a little bit too deep with a little bit too much offense, and ultimately when you have Russell Westbrook, you know, taking a billion shots a game and and not, you know, necessarily making an efficient offense, it's going to be just too hard for them to keep up.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, if he's, you know, again, at times, you know, when he plays smart and takes those, you know, doesn't basically take threes. I think that's the smart way of playing Russell Westbrook, um, but doesn't take threes and passes the ball around. He can be a really lethal player, but unfortunately that doesn't happen too often. So I think we can agree that Rockets are probably going to be in that conference finals. Um, you know, Warriors versus Blazers, I think Warriors. No, no doubt. No doubt about it. Curry might be back. Yeah, yeah, Curry would probably be back at that point. I don't think it would be very close. So again, I think like most people predicted, the Rockets versus the Warriors.
0: Absolute shocker
1: Yeah, that the Rockets <laughs> and the Warriors going to be lining up with each other. What do you think there?
0: So this is probably the most contentious series debate of the postseason. It's going to probably feel a lot like the NBA Finals um, because these are easily the two best teams in the NBA. Steph Curry should definitely be back by the time you get to late May, -May. mid-May. And because, I mean, I have the Golden State Warriors. I mean, this is a team that, you know, obviously they've had their struggles with being motivated in this regular season. It showed they didn't even win 60 games for a team as talented as they are, that's, I mean, it's really kind of a a shame, but at the same time, they battled injuries, and why do they need to be motivated for 82 games? The way the incentive structure is set up in the NBA, they don't. Uh, I, I think when if Curry's back healthy and playing well, you're throwing Kevin Durant at these guys. You have Clay Thompson, who's an unbelievable uh, wing defender. Draymond Green shows up in the playoffs. You still have a bench, whether it's deep or not, it's a different story. And I think Steve Kerr is going to be able to outcoach Mike Antoni, whose system has you know won a lot of regular season games, but not had any uh, you know deep success in the playoffs. I like Golden State to win here. I think it'll be close. I think the Rockets are home court advantage. They'll be able to make it a series for sure. But I don't see Golden State getting knocked off the throne. No,
1: I think the Rockets were definitely a surprising team this year. I think coming into the season, right with that Chris Paul trade, um, you know, it, I think a lot of people had concerns, you know, how well they were going to play together, you know, who was going to take over that point guard role, um, how are they going to fit. And I think they've, you know, definitely proven throughout the season that they just play extremely well together. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like they've been playing like their whole seasons together, um, and it's just truly impressive. Um, I think they're a very hot team. Um, I think that they can give the Warriors some struggles. Um, but I think the Warriors are just overall just so much more talented. Yeah, if- I mean, Kevin. Dur- I mean, they per- they potentially have you know like three out of the you know top four players. Uh, you know, I think in, in combining both teams in the series. Yeah. yeah, I
0: I don't know who would be better than Chris Paul.
1: That day. I think Clay Thompson in my mind. I think Clay Thompson. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Maybe Paul, in but, the playoffs
0: yeah. he might be. I, I just think at the end of the day, this this Warriors team. Um, I think they're going to be able to snap into that playoff mode that they've shown. Um, and, and this has definitely been their worst season since they, you know, became, you know, the team to beat in the NBA. Uh, but, I, I mean, if they're able to snap into that playoff mode at all, uh, it's going to be really tough for the Rockets to, to knock them off. Even with home court advantage, I mean, I just see the Warriors taking this in six or seven. Seven, probably not. I'd say probably lean six. Um, and I, I think the Warriors are just, I mean, clearly the best team in the NBA.
1: Yeah. So moving on to the finals. You know, I think like everyone predicted, or a lot of people predicted Warriors, Cavs. Round four. Uh, I think it's you know pretty predictable. I think Warriors, it's gonna you know be pretty easy for them. I think either five or you know maybe six games. You know, the bottom line off. It's, that's generous. That's, I think I've that's generous of the more Cavs. And more, more in the four or five. Maybe range. the four or five range. Yeah, I'm trying to be generous. To LeBron, you know, if he can go off. Um, but again, I think you know, again, pretty easy for yeah. the Warriors. Now, if
0: the Sixers were the team that made it, team that we agreed uh, probably the second best chance in the East. Any chance they catch some magic? I think it'd be even worse. Embiid yeah. would be a matchup nightmare for the Warriors. He really uh, would. Yeah, I mean, they don't have that he's played decision. very well against yeah, the Warriors was in he put the on
1: past.
0: Bremont? I mean, that's a severe no. mismatch. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, Javel McGee, Batuia. Yeah. I mean, no, you don't. So, do the Sixers have any?
1: And even Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons, maybe he's
0: would. a. I mean, he's a Durant. Durant he's a Durant. Durant, Durant yeah, yeah, can yeah. guard. They guard each other. Yeah. I would think. I I don't I don't see the I, Warriors Rockets to me is the real NBA Finals winner. That's gonna. Kick the butt of whoever makes it out of the East. Uh, I feel pretty strongly that it's going to be the Warriors, and I think they're going to raise their third uh, title banner in four years. Yeah. But
1: speaking of the, you know, Philadelphia Sixers, um, you know, obviously they've proven that the tanking system, um, you know, has finally worked. I think you know a lot of people had some concerns over the past couple of years, right? They weren't able to win. Um, had a lot of injuries, but you know, finally able to k- come together and you know had a good season. Um, does that inspire a lot of other teams? Just at you know, the point where you just cannot make the playoffs, just start tanking right away.
0: Yeah, I think a couple of things are going on with the Sixers. Um, you know, you could argue that they had some bad draft luck and some good draft luck. Um, and and it's, so it's a very mixed results on the overall system. I mean, on the one hand, they really wanted Andrew Wiggins, and they were going to get Andrew Wiggins uh, in the same draft that they ended up taking Joel Embiid, but Embiid injured his foot in the pre-draft process and ended up falling to number three, which is where Wiggins would have fell. Cavs draft Wiggins training for Kevin Love. Turns out to be very lucky that that happened, despite Embiid's injury troubles. Um, he's he's clearly better than Andrew Wiggins right. at this point. And then again, now they they busted out on the Jalil Okafor pick. They wanted D'Angelo Russell there at that spot. Not that D'Angelo Russell is a superstar by any means, but they missed out and they got Jalil Okafor. Missed out on Karl Anthony Towns, who went first that year. But then you know you look at Ben Simmons, and although he missed an entire season. I mean, they got a transcendent talent. I mean, how many years is there a Ben Simmons caliber player? And I mean, I know it's early in his career. Mm-hmm. he still, it's only his first season that he's actually played. But I mean, really, what are the odds that you're going to get Embiid, who's like, when he's healthy, he's a really good player, and Simmons, who might be a transcendent player? You know, to me, I, it's definitely not a foolproof plan. I think mm-hmm. a lot of luck is involved. And as unlucky as the Sixers have been, I think at the end of the day, they've been pretty lucky to wind up with Embiid and Simmons. Mm-hmm. And now Markel Fultz, you know, hopefully can you know, straighten out his career and add to that. But the other thing that combines with that is the the way they're changing the lottery. It's just too hard to tank at, you know, giving yourself the same chance as the team that's six worst or whatever the odds are. You know, your best chance to get the number one pick is 14%, and that's spread amongst a bunch of different teams. At that point, it's just not worth blowing it completely up and being the worst team in the league. Now, yeah, I mean, would you try and become the eight seed every year? No, but Mm -hmm. I don't think teams are— I don't think you're going to be able to adopt the Sam Hinckley 76ers process of— Completely gutting the team for a stretch of like four or five years and then accumulating a bunch of top picks. I don't I think that's going away. Yeah,
1: no, I think we've definitely seen right with the Sixers, right with the Thunder, um, with the Warriors, that you know, there's been some successes, but there's not been a lot of failures. You know, a lot of teams that have tried the tanking process, but just or, haven't had that. Orlando, luck. like you know, Orlando, Sacramento, yeah, exactly. they just haven't had the luck that the Sixers and the Warriors um Warriors didn't know how to tank.
0: It. It's the Thunder the were Thunder, probably yeah, are, yeah, the yeah, better example. Yeah. Sonic's yeah. Thunder, but yeah. I mean, you think like the Magic have been in a perpetual rebuild, mm-hmm. King's perpetual rebuild build um anyone else who's just like always been sons at this point have been
1: in stuck down there for a mm-hmm. while so yeah it's definitely not a foolproof it definitely player. just shows though i think it's the upper management that really makes the difference yeah. right these players you know like these um um who's the sixers guy again well it
0: was sam hinky now it's yeah. colangelo Brian you know wait right
1: you have danny ainge um who are the who's the thunder
0: the Thunder Sam Presti. Sam Presti,
1: exactly. All, you know, just really smart guys, you know, that just knew who to draft. Yeah. Um, you know, weren't able to get those really good draft picks. Um, and it's shown in successes. But, you, again, you have a lot of failures as well. And with this new draft, you know, with this new, um, you know, system of – uh, the lottery i think you know again it'll deter a lot of teams from trying to tank
0: yeah yeah for sure all right that'll do it for uh, our little nba playoff preview we'll be back following the playoffs um, as we continue with these podcasts in the coming weeks and months uh, before we segue into ted town we did want to talk a little baseball update um i guess the biggest thing of note so far has been the play of shohei otani uh hits three home runs and back to back to back games and when he's pitched he's been absolutely incredible took a perfect game into the sixth or seventh inning in his last start Um, Really incredible what he's been up to so far this season.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I think you know, again, you know I'm surprised on the, on especially on the batting end, you know, I think a pitching end, right? You know, you expected him coming in, that's, you know, throwing hundred miles an hour. You know, he's, you know, he's proven Um, you know, that was expected. I just think on the hitting end, you know, to have home runs in was a three consecutive games. Yeah. And he's hit three already. He hit three already, you know, just been truly impressive. I just think it's a big shock, but again, you know, angels, I think have definitely locked out. They're playing well too. Playing really well. The combination of, you know, him and Trout, potentially two transcendent players. Um, you know, it's just truly exciting for uh, Los Angeles. Right,
0: yeah. And the big thing is, can he keep it up? I mean, obviously, very minimal tape on him. Um, You know, these MLB players haven't had time to adjust to him. Obviously, when that happens, he's going to have to adjust back to them. So we'll see if he can keep it up all season long. But I will say it's great for baseball to have, you know, a player like him, be this notable and play this well early on in his career. It's, it's, it's a global thing, too, because yeah. the Japanese fans are all over him. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's been really impressive to see what he's done. Especially just because there
1: hasn't been that many successes, right? You know what I mean, in the past, you know, 15 years, you know, you saw Ichiro, um, Matsui. But it's not um,
0: even as a Japanese thing. Yeah. It's the dual player thing. That's yeah, just like, it it's, it's just an absolutely unbelievable... But just having
1: a foreign player come in, it just brings in a different fan base. You right. know, it creates a lot of hype, um, on, especially on a worldwide stage. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think it's just really good for baseball. Especially yeah. a sport that I think that's been suffering right in the past five ten years yeah yeah
0: for sure all right so now we're gonna go and talk about we had ted town assistant general manager uh for the washington nationals come in and through skype call talk to our club um about a week and a half ago, so we just wanted to kind of highlight the main takeaways from that call, talk about some pretty interesting things going on uh, in baseball. so Nick, let's let you start the conversation off uh, what did you what was something that you took away from his conversation that you thought was pretty enlightening?
1: Yeah, no, I thought um, a lot of the questions that our members asked were really good, you know talking about the analytics side of it. Um, and I thought it was really interesting. you brought up the point about. Um, you know, where is analytics important? You know, obviously, it's really important in the major leagues when you have a lot of data on everyone. Um, it's easy to get a lot of these advanced stats, but as you go down the line to the minor leagues and even to the high school stage, you know, as they're recruiting nowadays, um, it's tough to rely on the statistics and the advanced analytics to really, um, you know, show who's the greatest player. Um, and again, they usually rely on more on the eye test there, Um, and it's just interesting, you know, just that dynamic and the trade-off between the eye test and analytics um, and how that's used in baseball.
0: Yeah, and further on the analytics point that I thought was interesting was, you know, analytics in baseball at this point is definitely not a cottage industry. It's very much a mainstream thing that most of these teams, all of these teams have very robust departments in this. So, you know, we talked about, you know, where is that, that, are you doing analytics just to keep up or are you doing it to get an edge? And inevitably, you know, he said, any edge you get is going to be very short-lived. He talked about how, you know, one of the teams, he uh, he guessed it was the Yankees, brought in a couple of very good pitch-framing catchers, or maybe it was the Pirates, who brought in Cervelli and Russell Martin, who were very good pitch-framing catchers, and they those were the elite guys at it, and the Pirates probably saw something in um, the value of pitch framing um, and they were the ones that jumped on guys that made sense in uh, that way saw that added value there and while they were able to capitalize on it for a couple of years you know soon soon people caught on and now you know it's not an edge anymore and now it's something where it's like it's a known thing and you're always got to be keep keep using analytics to try and find that next breakthrough that next edge where you can get at, as small of an advantage as you can because you know these things at the professional level it's one on the margin so you know that's kind of interesting to see the analytics department it's hard to find that new mm-hmm. that new um, you know skill that's worth added because value. Everyone has the same data nowadays, right? And yeah. everyone
1: knows about advanced analytics, right? You know, again in the you know early two thousands, mid two thousands, that was a new thing, and you know only some teams were using that, and right. you had that edge. But nowadays, when everyone is using this data, you know, it's like what's the edge? And it's just kind of trying to find that new statistic to find um, you know something that you know you've seen a player. Yeah,
0: and it's not even that the data is so advanced. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was talking about how all of their minor league stadiums. They have the tracker um, software so any so any ball that 's hit, you get the velocity, the exit velocity, the launch angle you know you know everything about every single ball in play from one of your hitters, so you have so much data and there 's so much out there and everyone has the same stuff. So it really comes, you know, how are you using that stuff? Where are you finding that edge? And, you know, how long can you sustain that edge before, you know, every someone finds out what you're doing and sees the pattern themselves, or someone leaves and shares it with other teams. And then they're, you know, the edge is gone. And then you're, you're back to square one, trying to find whatever you can to uh, keep your team
1: ahead. Yeah, no, I thought it was also really interesting about, um, you know, certain teams, you know, how much they want to spend on analytics. I think he mentioned that, uh, the Nationals compared to the Dodgers, the Dodgers spend about eight times more than they do right. on their analytics department, and, and the Dodgers stats. are just so
0: fair and they're way, on another yeah. level,
1: right? right. Now, you know that's what they're trying to focus on. Um, and again, some teams, right, just don't see the importance of um, you know having all this analytics and spending so much um, into that research. Um, And again, rely on other measures. Um, I thought another interesting part uh, was a good question is, um, you know, talking about how, you know, when you get players from Cuba and other countries, um, what's the recruiting process like? And if you want to mention about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, probably as you would expect where you have scouts on the ground over there. um, And then, you know, they see a kid. I mean, these kids are 16 years old. Um, especially in the Dominican when they sign them to, you know, sometimes multi-million dollar signing bonuses. So, you know, you have people there who know them, get to know, you know, their background, their families, uh, see if the fit makes sense, see if they can project that long-term talent. And once you get someone that everyone likes, you kind of move up the, the ladder and bring other people down to get second opinions on them. And then, you know, ultimately, you know, you have a, a pool of players that you want to offer money to, but it's very much a, see them get to know them and then if you if you feel really strong in your conviction on the player moving it up the ladder to get more you also mentioned what
1: they do is like they compare him um to uh, like a professional players that potentially come from that area or has had that system um again looking at his swing uh, you know his mechanics and trying to compare make a comparison to another player because that just gives you know people um a better gauge of you know how that player is going to project out Um, Which was, you know, I think it was pretty cool. Uh, Was there anything else that you in in the talk that you liked? Yeah, one of the last
0: topics um, that we hit upon in the talk that I thought was interesting was relevant, you know, to this past off season where all of the uh, free agents or the free agent class, I should say, was very slow moving. Um, You know, a lot of players got less money than they expected. Took a lot longer to sign players. I mean, you saw someone like a Greg Holland didn't get signed until right before the regular season started. You saw JD Martinez, who got the most money in the class, went later in the class. Jake Arrieta went. You know, had to start the season the minor leagues to tune up before they started for the Phillies. Um, So we talked about, you know, what do you think were the causes of that? And, you know, it's a big issue for baseball moving forward because they basically mandate that you need six years of service um, in order to become a free agent. So for some of these guys, you're you're a free agent when, you, you know, when you're 29, 30 years old, depending on when you come up to the league and, you know, teams are aware of how much production currently is coming from young players. You think about how great Bryce Harper, Jose Altuve, Mike Trout, uh, Carlos Correa have been in in recently, and, you know, they don't want to pay, you know, $25, $30 million a year for what ultimately ends up being past production, which is worthless to them. So, you know, you see contracts like Robinson Cano or Albert Pujols, those teams are definitely regretting those contracts now because you don't want to be paying a guy like that, you know, $25, $30 million when they're 40 years old. Um, So teams are very cautious of that now, and it's going to hurt free agents moving forward, and that was a big cause of it. And there are certain areas, like you mentioned, where guys are still getting paid, like relievers. There's obviously a need for established relievers, but some of these guys who are older, teams are just not going to be willing to pay for past production at a premium like they have in the past.
1: Yeah, I was just going to mention that about, you know, he mentioned the trend of, um, you know, seeing the value in relief pitchers, right? So this, you know, these past off seasons, you've seen a lot of relief pitchers get, you know, more money, um, and just, you know, you've seen a lot more relief pitchers getting signed um, just noticing that trend and in the playoffs, in the um, World Series, um, you know, how important that is. Um, and, they, you know, we've definitely seen the trend of, you know, Greg Holland, how much do you get paid? $14, $15 million, $14, yeah. 15000000 which is, you know, just usually unprecedented for a uh, relief pitcher. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I, I think the interesting thing is, and this makes a lot of intuitive sense, is but teams are very strongly reacting to, you know, what's happening in the game and, and how that affects them in free agency. Obviously, the rise of the, of the reliever leads to, you know, these guys getting a lot more money and the rise of young players producing a lot more production and a lot more war um, that's led to teams being a lot more cautious at signing older guys and free agency. So they're really taking what they're seeing, you know, out on the field, quantifying it. And they're not, you know, closing their eyes and swinging for a home run for an old guy who, you know, just the data says isn't going to be able to get it done when you're paying him as much money as you are.
1: Yeah, I think like in, you know, basketball, what we see in baseball is, you know, teams that, you know, if they really don't have that shot in the playoffs, they're really making that dive south, you know, going for those top draft picks and, you know, not willing to give these older guys, you know, those contracts that usually in the past that we've seen.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so I think is there anything else you wanted to add or? No, I think you know? that's it. All right, so that is going to wrap it up for us. Um, we will be back next week. We're going to recap the uh, what's going on in the NBA playoffs. Maybe go a little bit deeper into uh, baseball because we'll have by that point we'll be you know full three or four weeks into it's the season. actually a
1: little hockey. Yeah, we'll see. We'll <laughs> see if the uh,
0: if the Caps are still alive. We'll see if there's anything of note there. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good weekend.